Welcome to Tucson New Thought. When I was living in Toronto, Gary and his husband split their time between Phoenix and Los Angeles. I, I met Gary living in Los Angeles. Actually, no, I met Gary at an Asilomar conference <laughs> that I was stage managing one year, and he was in the music team. I would stand off stage right, and there's Gary's back to me the whole time, and, uh, and I thought this is somebody that I need to know, because what he offers um, the world in terms of positive music is, I think, the... He, he is a new voice. I mean, he's been around a while, not, well. <laughs> Gary, if you're watching, I'm sorry, I may be calling you old right now. Um, he's been around, but he is a voice that is truly unparalleled. And I think, really, this is how we um, are going to change the world is through music. That's always been my feeling. That's why I really uh, am grateful to be a musician, you know, as a, as a singer. So I am going to do this, but not right now because I have a story to tell. I want to start with a little story. You may have heard it before, and uh, I have. I've heard it before, but this week I needed to hear it again. And so I thought, well, this is some, an opportunity that I get to share with my community because I only ever talk about what I need to hear. That's the, that's the trick of ministry. <laughs> there was a man who lived by a river. One day, as he was going about his business, he heard a report on the radio the report said, the river is rising, it will burst its banks, and the whole town is going to flood. All residents should evacuate their homes. The man didn't heed the warning, thinking to himself, I pray, I go to church. God loves me and God will save me. <laughs> so the waters begin rising up, and they overtook the first floor of his house. So he makes his way to the second floor balcony, and there is water all around him. His home is like an island in the middle of it all. And a man in a rowboat comes by. He says, hey, you, get in the boat. Let me take you to safety. To which the man replied, I pray. I go to church each, sun each Sunday. God loves me and God will save me. So the man in the rowboat continued on and the waters continued to rise until they overtook the second floor and only the roof of the man's house was still above water. As the man sat upon his roof, a helicopter flew in and, the man, and a man in the, using a bullhorn says to him, you down there, we will drop down a ladder and you can climb up to safety. And the man yells back, I pray, I go to church each Sunday, God loves me and God will save me. So the helicopter flew away. The water overtakes the house, sweeps the man away, and he drowns. As he's standing at the pearly gates, he demands an audience with God. Standing with God, the man says, God, I prayed. I went to church each Sunday. I know you love me. Why didn't you save me? God replied, I sent you a radio message, a rowboat, and a helicopter. What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> so aside from the obvious duality, which we don't teach in this philosophy, <laughs> and the concept of heaven as an afterlife experience, which we don't teach in this philosophy, there is so much truth in this story that resonates with me so deeply. We are a philosophy that teaches prayer. You know, this man, he goes to church or his center, whichever, his spiritual center. He prays, 
And he trusts that God as love is a loving presence in his life and that he is that very presence. So we teach prayer and in new thought. And we teach that prayer, which we call spiritual mind treatment, if you're in classes and things like that, we, call, you know, we, use, we, use funny, uh, we use funny names for things that people know because somehow I guess we decided we had to be different. Or, or really what it's about is saying, you know, prayer... Um, misunderstood prayer as a supplication to something outside the self is not what we teach. So we are going to call it spiritual mind treatment and say that what it is, it is the most powerful tool that we have at our disposal. And what it does is it is allowing us the time, the process, and the method necessary to the changing of our thought. When I teach classes... And we teach the beginning level, the beginning level course. And really, you get to it's an eight week, eight to ten week course, depending on which curriculum I use. Usually, you get about halfway through, and I will do a pop quiz in the class, and I'll say, "What is the purpose of spiritual mind treatment? What is the purpose of prayer?" And almost always, everybody will say, "Well, it's to create something. It's to create some demonstration in my life. It is to allow myself to have everything that I want in life." And I say, no, no, there is one purpose to prayer. There's one purpose to spiritual mind treatment, to change our own thoughts. That's it. Everything else that follows is secondary to the changing of our thoughts because we teach a philosophy that says, change your thinking, change your life. The expression of your life is where your thoughts are going. Your thoughts lead the expression of your life. And so the only purpose of prayer is to change our thought. Now we approach prayer from the point of view of, I would like to experience something in the world of form that is different from what I am experiencing now. Pretty much always that's what we're approaching with when we engage in prayer or spiritual mind treatment. I want to change something. But I I will say it over and over and over. It's my whole ministry, right? I will say it over and over and over the only, perp- the only way anything out there changes is by first changing in here. And I say thought, and I go to my heart, because for me, that's where I want my, that's where I want my thoughts to reside, and, and from, that's the place from which I would like them to emerge. Because I get very intellectual about this whole philosophy. It's super easy to do that. I was such an intellectual student, it drove my teachers crazy. So treatment is the time, process, and method necessary to the changing of our thought. So a common question ultimately becomes, how do you know if the prayer is answered? How do you know if the prayer is answered? I know, I was was waiting for somebody to ask, is this rhetorical this week? Actually, no, it's not, um, let's not let it be a rhetorical question. How do we know when a prayer is answered? Because something shows up, the result, the demonstration, right? What if I told you every single prayer you ever pray is answered? Is there an accept? Why, why, why do you think there's an accept? Perhaps. So let's stop thinking of ourselves as less than. 
Not all thoughts happen. Right? Well, so all prayers are answered, but we can very quickly negate those prayers with the thoughts that we think and the beliefs that we have, which is why if you are ever in a prayer session, like if you come to me for prayer, pretty much always we will go through the session and I will do a prayer at the, at the end of the session and then I will encourage you to not go back in mind to what you were thinking about before the prayer. Because you very easily can take it all in and you're like, oh, it feels so good. And yes, I've changed my mind. But let me tell you about this one other little thing that is niggling in my mind. And done. You've just negated the whole prayer. Because where your thought goes, that's where your life flows. And so we are talking about ultimately changing the tendency of our thought. This is another thing I talk about a lot. We are looking to change the tendency of our thought to create the most magnificent experience and, and full breadth of experience of magnificence in life that we can. That's what I believe. So prayer is always answered. We may quickly negate that prayer, the answer to that prayer showing up in demonstration, but the prayer is always answered. That's number one. Number two, and this is a big one for me, it is time for me You can accept this for yourself if you like, but I'm going to say it is time for me to let go of my narrow definitions and assumptions that the answer shows up in a particular way. In the philosophy, we call that outlining. When we are praying for something to show up in a particular way, when we are exclaiming to that infinite divine presence within and expressing as each and every one of us to say, it must show up this way for it to be good in my life. I have been in this philosophy for a long time now. For, I mean, I've been in the philosophy, I've been a minister since actually this coming uh, Wednesday will be the anniversary of my becoming a minister, July 31st. Um, In 2011 is the year I became a minister. So I've been a minister for eight years, but I've been in the philosophy a lot longer than that. I was, came into the philosophy in 2004, so 15 years. And I still struggle with the concept of thinking that my prayer needs to show up in a particular way. The answer to my prayer needs to show up in this narrowly focused particular way. I'm ready to break down that paradigm and open it up and say, I trust. I live in faith and I trust. So that's my work this week, is to more thoroughly convince myself that I'm in faith and trusting and that the way spirit shows up as the expression of my life is good and always working in my favor, no matter what. That my life is always evolving for good, no matter what. And you're welcome to be on this journey with me, which is why I assume you're here. And I thank you for that. So we are spiritual beings, I said last week. We are spiritual beings living in a spiritual universe governed by our use of a spiritual law of cause and effect. Prayer Spiritual mind treatment, whatever we choose to call it, that is the how of the way we teach, the use of that law, the specific, guided, focused use of that law. I am here to change the world by letting people know that as they think and the way that they think is what is creating their lives, not what you're thinking specifically, the manner in which you are thinking is creating your life. And so we can have those niggling thoughts that we very quickly negate and thank goodness for that because you're right. 
if every thought that I ever had showed up in form, it would be a very different world. <laughs> but I am in charge of my thoughts, and I am in charge of my response and reaction and, 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 and my ability to address those thoughts when they come up. So treatment, prayer, that is how we use the law. I just had to let that be the way I started this week because it's been, I will tell you, I have had a little bit of a challenge in terms of the way some things are showing up in my life that I was really resistant to because they were showing up and it's saying, and basically saying, here's the answer to a prayer. No, but here it is. No, but here it is. No, I don't want it in that way. But I think it's good for all of us to check in and say, am I praying And is there an answer that has presented itself to me? Has the prayer been answered, but I'm rejecting it for some reason? And maybe if I open myself to the ease and grace and the flow and allow it, what I'm looking to experience in my life will be better. I think this is a good time to see what uh, spirit provides randomly. We'll see. Did everybody have an opportunity to put their number in? Okay. And this is the number. Oh, a good number, 33. So in The Science of Mind, which is one of the primary books we utilize, page 33, everybody seems to be going for the, uh, the introduction section. One, two, three, four. There's four paragraphs. Which one? Three? (laughs) There are no mistakes. Ready for this? When we learn to trust the universe, we shall be happy, prosperous, and well. And I'm telling you, this is not a setup. (laughs) Like... (laughs) This literally happens every single time. It's always perfect to what, is being, uh, to what we're talking about. When we learn to trust the universe, we shall be happy, prosperous, and well. We must learn to come under that divine government and accept the fact that nature's table is ever filled. How many of us ever feel like we're in a place of lack, like we don't have what we would like to have? Yeah? Yeah? Nature's table is always filled. That's the first part of this. How do you attract that into your life? How do you understand that in your life and bring it into your field of experience? Change your thinking. Let go of the notion that you are ever in lack because the nature of the universe is infinite abundance. And if we are that which is, which is what I teach, and that is a challenge, I say it all the time, especially for people who are new, it's a challenge for some people because, to, to, to accept the notion that I think Ernest Holmes truly got to towards the end of his experience on this plane of action, which is to say, I reject the notion that God is anything outside the self. I trust to know that this divine, infinite presence is who and what I am, that the absolute divinity is the relative expressed perfectly, and there is absolutely no separation. So I will stand firm in my resolve to say, I am God. 
And so is everyone I encounter. Because that is not ever meant to be a statement that says, I am greater than you. It is never meant to be a statement that says, I am something other than you. It is my deepest understanding that we are all equal on this plane of action, having the most expansive and expression, expressive experience of life as God. So nature's table is ever filled. If I am God... If that's what I teach and God is infinite abundance, then how can I ever be anything other than abundant? How is that even possible? Now, I can trick my mind into thinking that it's not. I can trick my mind into thinking that it's not. And you know what happens when I trick my mind into thinking that it's not? Every thought is a prayer, just like we say. And if that is the predominant thinking in my mind, then what my life shows up as is Lack. It shows up as not having enough. It shows up as less than. But when I know who I am and I stand firm in that resolve, I can never experience anything other than infinite, magnificent abundance. Nature's table is ever filled. Never was there a cosmic famine. I love that sentence. Never was there a cosmic famine. The infinite alone has wrought and suffered. The infinite lies stretched in smiling repose. God is always God. Pretty definite there. God is always God. There is nothing else. We say it in our prayers. There is nothing other than this infinite divine presence. God is always God. And if that is who and what we are, we are always God, even when we're having missteps in our life. No matter what our emotional storm or objective situation may be, there is always a something hidden in the inner being that has never been violated. That's another one of my favorite concepts in this philosophy. There is that which is within which has never been violated, which has never been touched by any outside circumstance. I've had some people reach out to me recently for prayer um, related to physical health. And what I always go to in prayer for physical health is the reminder for myself, first and foremost, that there is an infinite spiritual blueprint which has never been touched by any outside circumstance. There is that which is perfect, whole, and complete. It is the spiritual nature of our being. And in understanding that that blueprint exists at the core of our beingness, what, we, what, it, what is ours to do is to get out of the way of allowing that perfect spiritual blueprint to express itself magnificently. But here's the catch. Oh, there's always a catch, right? The catch is this. The way it shows up may not be what you're expecting. The way your physical expression of health shows up may not be what you're expecting. Can you live in a place of faith and trust that it is the good expressing by means of you all the time, no matter what? No matter what. Dr. Tom Costa, who was the spiritual director of the uh, Palm Desert, I think it was Palm Desert, right? Now I can't, I'm pretty sure now I, of course, have all these names and people. Was it Costa Mesa, Dr. Tom Costa? Well, he used, to, he used to exclaim his affirmations, and at the end he would always say, no matter what, to say, this is definite. This is what I know to be, and there is nothing that will take me off of this understanding of the good. No matter what, 
my life is always unfolding magnificently. No matter what, I am in an abundant expression of infinite perfect health. My body is always in that flow because I trust in that inviolable spiritual blueprint that is at the core of all of it. And that blueprint, when I give over, becomes the expression because the physicality is based on that blueprint. Sometimes you just got to let go of anything unlike it. And that thought, those things that are unlike it are only things that we consider in thought. This month is all about freedom. Open-hearted freedom was the theme of the month. And the great news about freedom is that freedom means we have choice in the expression of our lives. And the worst news in the world is that we have choice in the expression of our lives. Wouldn't it just be easier if we had no choice in the matter and life just was this magnificent, unflowing, magnificent possibility of potential always flowing forth? The truth is that is the nature of God. But here's the deal. If we didn't have choice, life would, I think, be pretty boring because we would all be robotic. We would all be automatons. We would have absolutely no way of deviating in any fashion. And so what is a life that is not a life of choice, that is a life of exploration and, 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 and newness at all times? Nothing would ever evolve or be new without choice. And so as we close our month of open-hearted freedom, let's truly take that to heart, to understand at a core level that choice is the most magnificent gift we have given ourselves as this divine expression of love. And let's revel in choice. And as we utilize our prayer, our spiritual mind treatment, to settle our mind into changing so that it, it, is, it is moving into new expressions of itself, choice becomes so important in the flow of our lives. Let's celebrate choice. Let's celebrate the choice that we have at all times to love each other. Let's celebrate the choice that we have at all times to be more kind to one another. Uh, one another. Let's celebrate the choice that we have at all times to stand for good in this world. That is also one thing that I see as a little bit of a challenge for me personally. I see a lot of things that I could very easily call misuses of this infinite power happening all around me in this world. Ernest Holmes said, one alone in consciousness with the infinite constitutes a complete majority. And so if I recognize and see that there are all these misuses of this infinite power, I have a mind that constitutes a complete majority and I can make change. But it's not just about changing my mind, it's about acting upon that change of mind. And so when I do my prayer work, and I'm, and I'm not, it, 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 this may be read as a political thing, it is not intended to be a political thing because this is all about human rights and human justice. But when I, when, when I read and see what's happening with detention centers and children and people that are trying to make a better life for themselves, I know that there is that which, it, which is within me which can create change for the expression of those people's lives. 
But as I change my own mind, I must then act accordingly. When we talk about the, you know, we throw out these phrases, treat and move your feet, treat and move your feet, treat and move your feet. That's what we're talking about. But the moving your feet part must be impelled by this change of mind. Otherwise, it will do nothing. It will do nothing. The status quo will remain the status quo until we actually take charge of our minds and say, I reject the status quo because it is not in service to the higher expression of love and light that I choose to be. And as I do that, I act accordingly. Treatment impels action. We need to open ourselves, I think, more and more to the divine recognition of our wholeness as God. And I'm going to use an acronym that was coined by my mentor in ministry, James Mellon, that has stuck with me from the very first time he ever utilized it in a service. And that is, sometimes we all need to listen to the nudge. The nudge. Never underestimate divine guidance emerging. Never underestimate divine guidance emerging. Because as we pray and in our faith that our prayers are always answered no matter what, whatever is showing up must be right. That's the answer for me today. And so I welcome the good, and I welcome the kindness, and I welcome the love, and I welcome my action in the world to make change, because one alone in consciousness constitutes a complete majority. That's the truth that I speak today. Namaste. Thank you for listening. Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.